How you doing, everybody? And thank you for joining me today on this episode of Adulting With. Today, I have Dr. Julia Carlson with me, owner of Carlson Chiropractic right here in Eau Claire. We discuss the nervous system and what it does for you. It does a lot of different things from good to bad, in between. We discuss fight or flight and freeze and all the things that you need to know about that. So please enjoy Dr. Julia Carlson. And how you doing, everybody? Thank you for joining me here. And uh, today we are going to be adulting with Dr. Julia Carlson. Hi, Julia. Hi. Thank you so much for being here. We have talked many of times about a lot of different things, and this is a, a topic that I think that we're going to be able to dig into and have a lot of fun with today. So, yeah. um, and the biggest thing here we're going to talk about is the nervous system. And let's just like just to give a very simple definition. Like, what is the, the nervous system in the body? The nervous system is the first system to develop in an embryo. It controls all of the processes that the body carries out. Okay. All right. There we go. Sounds as very, that's as simple as it gets yeah. right there, right? That's fantastic. So now, because it carries so much weight in the body, what are some things that can disrupt it? make some changes to, the, to just that physical part of that to where you may have some issues within the body because the nervous system is being disrupted. Yes. Okay. So, um, well, talking about it from my career perspective, I'm a chiropractor and I do a test in my office called the nervous system scan. It measures um, the nervous system response known as fight or flight uh, and rest and digest it also represents um, how well the nervous system is communicating information between the brain and the body, from the body to the brain, and from the brain to the body. And then we also have one that measures the muscle and gland and organ input that is provided to the nervous system. So if we're going to talk about um, how that presents in everyday life, uh, most people know what stress is, and most people know that it's somehow tied to the nervous system, but they maybe don't think about it like that. So I think of it as your everyday stresses piled on top of each other can cause a stress response known as fight or flight. If you're stuck in that, then your body can't heal itself. You can't be in growth and protection at the same time. So like what causes so or what can happen in the body? Is this where like all of a sudden you mm -hmm. feel pain in certain spots of the body yeah. because of that? Yes. So the sympathetic nervous system or that fight or flight response um, is kind of broken up into two things. It can be the fight or flight or it can be freeze. So the first half of what's known as the vagus nerve, which is actually the parasympathetic part of our nervous system, which is the rest and digest, um, controls everything above the diaphragm um, as a quick response. So pupils dilating, your breath going up, your uh, heart rate increasing, those kind of things that we think of as like acute stress. Mm. And then the freeze response is kind of more below the diaphragm. So like, <laughs> for lack of a better way to say it, explosive diarrhea and digestive mm. symptoms, sure. um, passing out. Um, and that is actually, there's a, there's a disease now that's being, it's 
so prevalent now, I'm seeing it everywhere, called POTS syndrome, where your body is in such a stress mode, it's more like freeze. And so you pass out when you're in a really high emotional stress point. So, I mean, there's many ways to look at it, but your stress response, if it keeps going on and you don't have a reprieve, that's when it becomes a real problem and you see it in your organs. So now, okay, so you you can get this through general anxiety and stress. Yes. Right? So anxiety could be anything from stuff at work, stuff at home, simple little things like that's your everyday stuff. Yes. But this is where like, how does it surpass that to where there's there's people that have to go into things go into a high thing almost like they need to shut down their body yes. like where how far how deep into that are they going at that point well so i think it really depends on the individual some people can't really handle that much stress at all i mean maybe their job and their marriage is you know really stressful for them so even going out and getting groceries and not being home on time or something is stressful i mean it could it really depends on I, I hate to say it like this, but genetics, because how they're hardwired, how their individual body is hardwired, can dictate how soon they go into that deep fight or flight or freeze. Oh, I can see that. I mean, this is where they, if you were raised in a, in a family area to where mom and dad were high stress all the time, mm-hmm. is automatically going to put you in that high stress. Yes. And you will live like that forever. Right. Until you can figure out. Yes. If, I mean, that's where, unfortunately, a lot of people think that's normal. Right. They're just like, well, this is where I'm going to live, and this is yes. how I have to be you know, for the rest of the time. Yes. But now it's like, now they can't control extra things. Yes. Well, it even, it even shows up in how you respond to things, because somebody might have done something to you, but you're responding to something that your parents did many years ago, because it triggered that traumatic response for you. So your body will remember those patterns, and then... So, so I'm going to, I'm going to give you an example of yeah, that right yeah. now, just so you know. So when I was probably a teenager, I spent a lot of time with my younger brother, Christopher, mm-hmm. and I was upset one night because they made me do a lot of babysitting. My parents spent a lot of time at bars and stuff like that. So I had to watch them a lot. And I called my parents there and I was like, listen, you said you're going to be home. I want to get out and do something. Just get home. And my mom yelled at me and called me a baby. Mm-hmm. Okay. And... I hung up the phone on her. Yeah. I was just angry. Yes. And so from this point forward, anytime anybody like even just jokingly calls me that, like I get this like cold sweats totally coming through me and stuff like that. So that's exactly, yes, exactly what you're talking about right there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And it can even be transferred from your parents to you. Sure. My dad, I love him dearly, but he is a workaholic. He loves to work and he does it. He thinks that if you're not working, you're being lazy. And yeah, that transferred to me. And maybe that's not even what he thinks, but that's how I interpreted his behavior. Sure. And so I'm a, I'm a 110%er all the time. Like I, I mean, I latched onto this polyvagal theory that we're going to talk about and yeah. I have been doing nothing but studying it because <laughs> I love it so much. But my husband will be like, why can't you just sit down for 10 minutes? And I just can't do it. I mean, I can if I force myself, Sure. but I have to get into that mindset, pause and get into that mindset so that I can do it. But this is where like, if you really enjoy something too, then why would you want to stop doing yes, it? Exactly. I mean, so I get that too. Yeah. Like we all get that when you can, you can dig in and like you can lose yourself for a couple hours without yes. blinking. Totally. So, totally. <laughs> so you brought it up here. So this vagal response mm-hmm. now when, because that can go a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And I say that they can go positive and or negative yes. depending on yes. what you're trying to accomplish with that. So now what is like, 
how I want to word this. What is a positive response to that to something happening? Trying to, I'm trying to better word this. Help me out here. So like, like when you're in panic mode and yes. you don't know what to do. Right, sure. Um, so the best advice I can give is that if you know about this, you can pay better attention to it. And we're going to go through the stages of the polyvagal theory just because it makes so much sense to people when we explain it. Mm. But it's pausing. Like, why am I feeling this way right now? Pausing and then taking like a four to five second breath and then letting it out again. That is the one of the only ways that you can control that parasympathetic reflex, that that rest and digest reflex. So if you're in a state of fight or flight or even freeze, because the fight or flight response is above the diaphragm and the freeze response is below the diaphragm, the diaphragm is one of the things that controls breath. So if we lift up the diaphragm into our lungs, our lungs then get the signal to increase air, right? Right. And so because we're elongating it, we're giving our body a chance to calm down. It's the one thing we can control. We can't control our heart rate, but we can control our heart rate secondarily to breathing. Sure, absolutely. So that's the one thing I suggest people do is, number one, recognize how you're feeling and what your response is and pause. But then the second thing is to actually start breathing. It's something people aren't going to notice i mean you could do all kinds of crazy things to stimulate your vagus nerve sure but when you're in public and you're having a panic attack you're not going to think about that so. sure absolutely you think about this breathing thing i literally have this sitting right here like i'm literally going through the serve this, yeah. this certification or breathing certification <laughs> yes. right now because i truly believe that breathing absolutely. is if you control your breathing you control a lot of different things yes. inside of your body and the high anxiety all that stressors and yes. stuff like that the breathing is key because that's yes. the start yeah yeah. So that's where, so now with that there, now there's the, there's with the, with the positive, there's a negative with everything there. Yes. Now, how can it affect you negatively when it comes down to like causing pain inside of you? Okay. So this is a good segue to the polyvagal theory okay. because um, when I think of um, the different um, areas that we could talk about here. So let's talk about fight or flight. Everybody kind of knows what that is from like seventh grade science and really what it means is your body is in stress in a stress state your cortisol is higher your um, adrenals are oftentimes fatigued if not completely depleted and so what's happening for a lot of people is if they're chronically stressed their adrenals are doing this kind of slow drip of adrenaline and stress hormones that's not normal we are supposed to have that shunted into our blood system when there's a threat, but because thoughts, toxins, and traumas can all be perceived threats, we're constantly getting that feedback. So our body will, it's its acting in a primitive way because we were born with these things. And that's not to say that fight or flight isn't a good thing. It is. You should know when you're when you're faced with a threat. But if everything in your world is a threat, that's when it becomes a problem. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so that's that's that part. And that's part of the sympathetic um, nervous system. So that fight or flight response is governed in the spine between C2 and L5. So that's how I look at it as a chiropractor. Um, the parasympathetic or that what we call, we call the fight or flight response in our office, the gas pedal. And then we call um, the the parasympathetic response, the, the brake pedal, which is at the the brake pedal is at C1 and 
S1. So very top of your spine and the very bottom. That's the only two places it exists. So when somebody comes in and they're really stressed out, that's often where we start. That's where we start to stimulate the nervous system to work better. So chiropractors can actually engage the body in that brake pedal or rest and digest uh, response. So it's one thing. Breathing is another thing. Meditation is another thing. So just kind of building on that. The last part is the freeze portion, which is kind of new. It's kind of a new thing, but it's not. Um, it's they, when you study it or you do you do a Google search and you look for it, they call it oftentimes like a reptilian response. So it's like when you I, it just makes me think of a fainting goat. Like when you scare a fainting goat and they fall over, that's a freeze response. So um, a, a freeze response inside of our bodies would be, um, like we talked about, explosive diarrhea or passing out, something sure. like that, where you don't – it's involuntary. That's the big thing. Like sometimes you can talk yourself out of a fight-or-flight response, but you cannot – talk yourself out of a freeze response. And so that's the problem is that the more fight or flight that you're in or the more of that stress response you're in, the closer you are to that freeze response. And in our office, we actually have uh, heart rate variability is something that we use to measure that. And the, the freeze response often looks like a parasympathetic response or that brake pedal. But what it really is is kind of like autopilot. So your body is actually, it's so done with the gas pedal, it can't even hit it anymore. It's just in freeze. And some people that I see this in are people that have been on uh, antidepressants for a really long time um, or kids who have behavioral issues where they kind of stop caring about what happens. Um, they're in freeze mode or in that autopilot mode. Um, I also see it with people who have chronic adrenal stress. So people that just don't have adrenals that are firing correctly. We can see that on the scans and that helps them understand their bodies better. What that looks like is not sleeping well, not, well, <laughs> having a 2 p.m. crash, but then following it up with a bunch of sugar because when your body is in that chronic adrenal state of fight or flight or freeze, it craves sugar because it's constantly firing muscles to support a nervous system that's in dysfunction. Hmm. So, okay. so essentially, chiropractors are doctors that address the dysfunctional nature between your nervous system and your body through the spine. We're pain. I mean, we're good at pain. We're really good at pain. But that's a secondary. <laughs> sure. It's like a exciting side effect to the chiropractic care that we provide. So the scans mean so much to me because I can tell where the person is having the problem. They might be having pain and we can address that. But if their nervous system isn't functioning how it should and it's in dysfunction, it's in protection mode, you can't heal by yourself. But if you're okay, so if you're in that freeze mode now, you have this you have this idea of where like you said you shut you shut down yes the body starts shutting down you stop caring there's certain like little mm -hmm. cues with this like you, you almost like you'll wake up in the morning you'll just literally go through life without yes. any feeling at all yeah so that's what that's what technically what that is yes yep. so you almost that's a perfect example like lacking motivation to go to the gym in the morning sure that's that's a freeze response okay yeah but that's where you said it's hard to come out of it yes but you can. You can. There are ways. I mean, yes. I understand. We'll get into that there a little bit because I know you, there's ways for that, even with fight or flight. Right. But that's where it's like under, now it's understanding 
where you are yes and being able to take control of that and being like how do i move forward through yes. all of this yes so now backing up into the the, the fight or flight mm-hmm. like you said there's good fight or flight mm-hmm. and i look at that as being like if you're an athlete mm-hmm. you know the butterflies that you get yeah. in your stomach before yes. a game yes that's what it is yes like you're then that's a very positive fight or flight yes. mode that's the flight mode right yeah. there you're in yeah but then all of a sudden the whistle blows or the hit go everything floats away yes it's like at, a, at the gym, right before some workouts, you get these weird butterflies. Like, yes. what's happening right now? And you're yes. like, well, here we go. Yes. So those, those are positive things. Yes. And even the professional athletes ride that line hard. Right. Very hard. And that, um, because I have had the pleasure of treating athletes, I can see that they have more of a balanced nature when it comes to that than the average person because – their days are scheduled for them. You know, they have food that they're supposed to eat. They have training regimens and schedules. So um, they have much more balance in their life than we do when we are trying to tackle a morning workout, a full-time job, children, marriage, all of those things. So sure. it makes sense that they can do that. And yes, that's true. Like they do have a fight or flight response. And even us as CrossFit athletes, like Every morning you put yourself in fight or flight a little bit when you're doing a wad. So it's, but it's good for you. It right. is good for you to do that. But now you look at it, there's, there's like firefighters, yeah. police officers. Yes. Every time a police officer gets out of his car for a traffic stop and walks up there, can only, I can only imagine yeah. what's going through their body right. every single time because they don't know what they're walking into. Right, right. And so that's where, yeah, I, I mean, you, you get some of the situations that they get put into with that because of just how the body reacts in that yes. in that state. Totally. And so with when you're when you're in that fight or flight, you know, you want to be able to find the balance of being like what's manageable, mm-hmm. what's good and what's bad. Right. And then I mean, we've all had bad fight or flights and bad issues and stuff like that. I had my like you have these panic attacks mm-hmm. or anxiety attacks. Mm-hmm. Is there a big difference between the two of those that you would really you can tell the difference between of what how one yes. treats the body towards the other? Yes. Anxiety attacks are made m- more fight or flight. Okay. Panic attacks are more like freeze. Okay. Okay. Yes. So it's it's actually stimulating a different part of the body. It's it's a different part of the nervous system altogether. So um, freeze is more of a primitive kind of shoddy or it's not. So to put it, to put it in scientific terms, the freeze is unmyelinated where our fight or flight is more myelinated, meaning it's got, it's got cushion. It's got, um, it's got insulation. So the, the responses are much more calculated. The body needs to have the pupils dilated and the heart, heart rate to go up and the breathing to come up so that you can get the heck out of there if you're being chased by a saber-toothed tiger. But in freeze mode, it's kind of more primitive and less accurate, I would say. That's why so many people have so many different types of symptoms when it comes to their genetics. So when it comes to freeze, I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day and she was telling me that uh, like she talked about this just unprompted mm-hmm. too. talked about fight, flight or freeze. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she's a freeze person. Mm-hmm. That's the way she, she tastes mm-hmm. herself because mm-hmm. she was her and her husband were at Mona Lisa's mm-hmm. and there's a gentleman there who started having, uh, 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 
ate some shellfish. Oh, and had a, had an attack. Shock, yes, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, everyone rose up and they started panicking and stuff like that. And she like felt herself back up mm-hmm. and, and just held herself right there. Mm-hmm. Didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Wasn't trying to be. Not that she could have. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, there was a doctor close to be able mm-hmm. to help this person mm-hmm. out. But she knew automatically that she put herself like she was in that freeze mode. Yes. And so being aware of that. Does that help you understand who you are or that you, well, be, you it, become more comfortable with that? Yeah, or? I think it can. And I think um, largely those types of behaviors are, like I said, genetic, but that could come from something that triggered inside of her where she did that as a young child. She just froze because that's all she could do. And it generated an actual memory. So maybe it wasn't even something she had control of. And like I said, that's involuntary. Right. So she could be generating that memory, not even knowing it. That could be subconscious. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That that makes perfect sense there. All right. Fantastic. All right. So now when you deal with the stressors of everyday life, good stress, bad stress and stuff. Um, and this to say, let's say I, I came to you with a shoulder injury. Mm-hmm. You know, I had automatically, I've, I've, you've worked with me for a long time yes. with different issues that I had yeah. and I, be, I have high stress yes. with all of that. Yes. And so when it comes down to, so I come and see you, I have a shoulder injury that I'm dealing with there. So not only like the, the pain part is part of it. Right. Right. Now, how do you explain to me, mm-hmm. like, hey, listen, we're going to dig into their shoulder. We're going to we're going to move things around. We're going to get it back yeah. into place. Yeah. But now, how do you explain to me there to try to calm my brain, digging right. into the nervous system yes. and how they're going to play together? Yes. Yeah. So anytime there's a new injury in our office, we always do a nervous system scan sure. just because we want to see what the body is trying to tell us. And the way I look at it is if you have a shoulder injury, let's say it's a shoulder injury and it's your right shoulder. Okay. Um, you are not healing because of something that's going on. And like I said, if you're in protection mode, you can't heal yourself. So there's something going on there. It could be physiologically mechanical and not actually, you know, anything to do with the, the nervous system as it relates to the fight or flight system. But that's hardly ever the case. Sure. Really hardly ever the case. So I would ask you probably what kind of stresses are going on in your life And in my line of work, there are certain situations that correlate to certain parts of the body. Um, You can uh, have a physiological response of pain for, for lack of a better way to say it, emotions and feelings that you have that you're not addressing. Your body will remind you that you are going through something that you need to feel. Sure. And so it will give you a persistence. Now, of course, if you like threw a ball and you, you know, tore your rotator cuff, well, then that's a whole other thing. You could even <laughs> sit and talk about trauma for a while about that. Not even physical trauma, but emotional trauma. So the nervous system always has something to do with it. Like, why aren't those muscle muscles firing? Like, is there something, is there an imbalance there? Is the, is the backside of the shoulder girdle firing harder than the front side? So when we look at that, of course, we're looking at the actual physical structure, but then we're also looking at the interpretation that the body has of it so that we can better determine like, what's the best course of care for you? Do you need physical therapy? Do you need pain management? Do you need surgery or do you just need some chiropractic care? So now you mentioned in that that certain parts of the body mm-hmm. carry different, yes. is it different emotions, stressors, stress. Stress. I would say stress. Okay. So um, I don't 
So this isn't something that I like ask every single patient. I'm not a therapist. Sure. You know, so I'm just asking them like what kind of stress they're under. Right. And then I'll lightly suggest like there might be, maybe there's something going on in their life. And so I'll ask, but I don't pry, you know, I don't know, but I can always give some guidance so that maybe they'll hit a realization that they were feeling fight or flight symptoms from something that they didn't even know they were mad or sad about. You know, it's, it's one of those things we've talked a few times about this. And I, before, when I started this podcast, mm-hmm. when I started Beast Mode Kids, I, you know, I had a couple ideas and all that other kind of stuff. And when I wanted to start doing adulting with, it was something that was in my brain, in mm-hmm. my brain and stuff. And the last time we talked, I was talking about this pain that it would not go away <laughs> in my jawline, in yeah. my mandible. And yeah. it was just all of a sudden, and crazy enough as it is, once I started doing this, yeah. It went away. Yeah. And so like, yes. it's just like, it's amazing yeah. that if you can look at your body, yeah. look at the stress that you're having yes. and the stress you're having in your life. Right. And if you're willing to take the steps to move forward yes. with them, to fix them, to do whatever it needs to do, yes. it's amazing how the body will, Yes. the pain, little pains go away. Yes. Because those are just little reminders, unfortunately, of just like, hey, you still have this happening in yes. your brain. You need to do something about it. Yes. Yeah. So is there any other way that you can that, that that people can look at those things and somebody that's not really attacked that? Yeah. Really really looked at the the whole picture of themselves internally and stuff like that. If no one's really been in full control of their body, mm-hmm. how does somebody take that first step of looking at different pains or aches or whatever mm-hmm. that is and be able to start figuring that out? There are hundreds of books on this subject sure for one um you can look at what side of your body it's on if it's on your dominant side being your masculine side which is the right side or the feminine side which is your left side um we're made up of both masculine and feminine energies so when you look at that you can say hey this is on my right side the shoulder for instance since we were talking about it um is a signal for carrying other people's burdens or um and this is just what i've found in practice but also reading those books sure it's very highly suggestive that it's carrying other people's burdens or carrying the world on your shoulders or so it's kind of a metaphor um in my own personal experience for the last couple of years i've had a couple of knee injuries Injuries in quotation marks because they weren't injuries. Um, I'd get this huge flare up of bursitis and tendonitis in my in my knees, and I got it in both of them exactly the same at different times. Um, the first one, I finally figured out that I was upset with my dad for not being the kind of grandpa I thought he should be. So uh, the knee, hip, and ankle reflect rigidity or not being okay with something. Uh, It was very true. Um, He didn't know. He had like no idea. I texted him and I said, hey, dad, I just need you to know that I'm really sorry for being mad at you about something (laughs) I didn't even know I was mad about. Um, But once I reflected on it, it was like, whoa, there is something to this. And then it happened to my left side. There was a female in my life that I was just like not okay with her leaving my life in the way that she was serving in it. And once I forgave her and let it go, it went away. And it was like, Within it was like within twelve hours. It was like I had swelling the size of a freaking softball on my knee, and then it was gone in twelve hours and didn't come back. So now every time that happened, I mean it's happened one other time, 
And when it was, I just, I looked at it and from experience though, I mean, it has, I, I get that it has to happen to you, but it just was open. I was just open. Like maybe this is something I'm doing. Maybe this is something I'm mad about. Maybe this is something I'm, you know, and it could be a physical thing that you're doing. Like if you hate your job and you are, you know, putting in glass in giant buildings or something like that. That job is really physical, so it's really easy to excuse it. But if you hate that job, it's going to destroy your body in certain areas. Sure. I believe so, that. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. So now when you go, let's see here. So now let's say you have a client come in to mm-hmm. visit you. They have certain ailment regardless of whatever. Let's say it's something... Let's go back into the digestive mm-hmm. things, right? So now you have some digestive issues. You can be going back to that, is it the vagal nerve? Mm-hmm. Is that one of the, like, is that, is it digestive? Is that what I read? Like that is one of the most prominent, yes. the most prominent things that you see. Yes. Like once you said, and that's just, is that because, you know, you have the butterflies mm-hmm. and you have that, you can mm-hmm. feel all of your stomach just going crazy and yeah. stuff like that. And you're wondering what the heck is happening. Yes. Okay. Explain that more for me. Okay. Please. So the vagus nerve directly connects organs to the brain. And one of them is your digestive system. Sure. Um, and there's even been a lot of research regarding the gut brain connection. So how healthy your gut is and how well that communication between your brain and your gut is, is how well it flourishes. So um, even like if the connection is not great and you're in in the stress response or you have something called low vagal tone, which is the inability to have that rest and digest response, then your body will continue that the the fight or flight response and you will keep getting inhibition of your gut motility. That's kind of, well, the fight or flight response is what governs constipation. Sure. And then the freeze response can govern the explosive diarrhea. We've said, I've said explosive diarrhea three times. You know what? I'm going to have you say it three more times too. So now, okay. So riddle me this. So you have all these probiotics all over the place that people are taking because they're like, oh, I got stomach issues. I just need some probiotics. Are probiotics a necessity? Probiotics are a necessity if you've killed all of your gut bacteria with several courses of antibiotics. Okay. Um, But it's not like something you should take daily. You should allow your body to proliferate it. Um, If you take a supplement, you're telling your body that it doesn't need to do anything. You're taking it, right? Right. Doesn't necessarily mean that that's not necessary, but to... To think that you're always, that's going to fix your gut. No, your body should proliferate those bacteria on their own with a good diet. I mean, if you're taking, you know, prebiotic or pre-digested foods like sauerkraut and stuff like that, that's really popular. Like it's because your body will then proliferate those good bacteria. You have to have a balance of good bacteria in your body though too. So you can have an overbalance. Sure. Or you can have other issues. So, I mean... Is it something that everyone should have? Probably more people should take it than not, but it should be like a course. Like you're here, I'm going to re-inoculate my gut by putting good bacteria in it, and then I'm going to leave it alone and eat really good food. Sure. It can do it all by itself. 
But that's there's that's cycling. Yeah. You know, the, yep. I, I don't care if that's fish oil or glucosamine yep. or anything yes. you take. You know, right now I take vitamin D because mm-hmm. of the lack of sun that we yes. have with everything like that. Yep. And great. And I know that pretty much in April or May comes, psh, I'll, I won't do it because yeah. I'm going to be outside most of the time. Yeah. So I don't and if need you, it. And if you wanted to go a step further, you could get your blood tested and find out what your blood levels are. I mean, just to be on the safe side, like making sure that you're taking something that you actually need. Sure. So. That's one of those nice things with insurance. You go there and you, get, you can get your insurance once a year. Full blood test for <laughs> yeah. free. It's all there. Yes. They let you do it. It's going to be just fine. So now this uh, this weekend you have a you have a workshop happening at your yeah February first uh, February first yes. February first at your office. Yes. So now at there that's uh, what time is it from? Do you have a, it's do you from have a time? nine to noon. Nine to noon. So nice on a Saturday morning. Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were talking beforehand, and you have three different people that are going to be coming and joining you there. Yes. Is it three people, or I know yes. you're, you're one of the speakers. Three people. And yes. three other people. Yep. Who and what are they going to be discussing? Yes. Okay. So um, Nicole Kepler is a very good friend of mine. She has worked in the prison system for the last, I think it's nine years. I don't want to misquote, but nine ish years. Um, she is a mental health counselor, and she's also a social worker. And so she was, she's worked with prison inmates for the last however many years. Um, she has certifications in several things, but one of the things that she loves talking about is mindfulness. So that presence of knowing what you're feeling, that's where, that's what she's going to cover in her segment. So, um, I think it's just so important to know how to stop yourself and just think about I mean, so many of our daily activities are mindless. So having some mindfulness training and how you can see where you're at and mentally check in before you respond to anything is super important. I just think that's like number one. Now, did she discuss the fear in that? The fear that people have about being mindful about what they're doing. Yes. Because that's where people are afraid. People are afraid to dig in too far of who they are and what they they are. are. Yes, they are. So she does touch on that. Yes. And so you better be ready to be able to think a little bit deeper about yourself and stuff. Yes. It's going to be a little tough because if you're not somebody who's used to looking at yourself objectively, I think that, yes, that can be really, really tough. And, and I can take that for personal experience. That's a, it's, it, that is a skill. Yeah. That's a learned totally. skill. And right away, it is very difficult and a very hard pill to swallow. Yeah. But once you start doing that and start having those realizations, it's actually pretty eye-opening yes. and amazing at the same yes. time. Yes, yes. Okay. And I, I want it to be really tactical. I don't want it to be like Eckhart Tolle, where you can't even like listen to him because he's so mindful. It's like, <laughs> hot, like I'm never going to reach that. Oh, my God. I have taxes to pay and stuff. Like, right. <laughs> so. Yeah. So that's one person. Yes. Um, Lorelai Ernster, who is my office manager, is going to be doing more of the what's your vision and your goals for your life and how does mindfulness and your nervous system play into achieving the things that you want to achieve in your life. She is very gifted at helping women see what they really want in their lives and then organizing those things to better serve them in their career or whatever it is that they aspire to do. I will be talking about the nervous system and we will also be doing, um, an HRV on each person, which is that heart rate variability test I was talking about so that people can tangibly see whether or not they're stuck in fight or flight so that we can offer solutions for that. Hmm. 
Um, and then the other person that's going to be speaking is my friend Jessica Klatt, who has a business where she operates um, the potential of employees for corporate um, to be in the right space where they work and thrive in that space. Um, she does some personality tests and different things that she's learned. And her um, p- portion of the workshop is going to be um, passion versus purpose because many people think that those are the same things and they're really not. You know, I've, I, I feel that like when at, at Fiddly where I worked there, we've worked into that world mm-hmm. of like, you know, we all love training, we all love coaching, all that mm-hmm. stuff. But like behind the scenes stuff, trying to find what we want to do. Yes. And what drives us more. Yes, yeah. And we definitely have started working. And we've been working on that for a couple of years, making sure that everyone, because you want to be happy. Yes. You want to be able to, to, to enjoy life. I remember I was walking, I, when I was living in Melby, I took my dog for a walk. Mm-hmm. And back there, it's a very industrial area. Mm-hmm. And it was, I got off work early that day or something like that, but a bunch of people were getting off work over there. There was maybe 12 people standing at a bus line waiting for a bus to come. Mm-hmm. They were the saddest group of people yeah. I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. They were just not, they no speaking. Everyone was smoking. Mm-hmm. And just kind of like, oh, they're going to go home and drink until they fall asleep to get yeah. up, to go back to work the next yes. day. And it's just like, that's that's a rough life. Yes. And that's a hard, that's, that's, a, that's a hard life. Yes. Right there. Yes. So. That, I would say that's, my purpose is to bring people who want something more for their lives out of the mundane and something that they truly can aspire to. And honestly, it comes very naturally to me because one of my passions is working out. Another is chiropractic. Like I, I love chiropractic, but that isn't my purpose. My purpose is to help people find themselves. Sure, That's what I really, truly love. You know, it's it, I, I. There's two of the people that I, I I don't know who they are, but Lorelai I've only met two or three times. Mm-hmm. And for those of you that have never been to Julia's office, there, the only thing I can say about Lorelai is that she has an amazing aura mm-hmm. to her, very approachable, yes. and she definitely is has is this way with her that you just want to keep talking to her. Yes. she's just pleasant totally. and kind, and so she's very easy to listen to yeah. and stuff. So I'm intrigued by yes. by that there yes. as well. Yeah. So, yes. and that's February first. Yes, February first. All right, so. Um, you see a lot of kids mm-hmm. now when it comes to fight or flight, mm-hmm. when it comes to freeze, yes. when you're dealing with kids, generally you have kids in your room with the parents. Yes. How often do you see, like you're asking, trying to talk to that child mm-hmm. and ask them question, mm-hmm. mom and dad are over here answering every single mm-hmm. thing. Is that a common occurrence where you, that, that you, that you see, or is that one of those things that you want to hear these words from the kids, but mm-hmm. the parents keep jumping in over that? So I do both. I talk to parents, but I also ask the kids in a way that a child will understand Sure. like how often they feel like they're in fight or flight. Or how often they, and I mean, I do see a lot of kids with behavior issues. I see a lot of kids with autism. I see a lot of kids with, um, I'm organal distress, sure, colic. I mean, those kind of things. Obviously, babies can't answer, um, but they can show me because they have primitive reflexes that are being that are retained rather than going away as they should when they hit certain milestones. So. I mean, my ability to read the nervous system is pretty good. <laughs> you know, even even for to give an example there of what we've done, like you saw Bo a few times. So yeah. Bo was five, and especially when he was around that two age, yeah, 
you saw him a lot. Yeah. Because two-year-olds fall. Yeah. Constantly. Totally. And so when they're all of a sudden constipated, yeah. not sleeping, yes. crying all yeah. the time and yeah. stuff like that. And yeah. all of a sudden you get a little adjustment, you put a few little things back into place, yeah. all of a sudden everything calms down. Yes. Because they are they're, they are they in that fight or flight then when everything, the body is out of whack. Yes. And they are just constantly in that that flight mode where they're just panicky. Yes. Anxiety, stress, all that. Yes. And so um, with our kids that are like behavior or um, are showing signs of organal distress, we put them on a plan um, that requires a frequency that overrides that fight or flight response so that we get them to be more balanced by triggering that brake pedal in their body. If we can do that, then their body starts to naturally slow down and then they stop having, even if they are falling, sure. they can still get back up and not have those issues right. because they're more balanced. There's appropriate amounts of fight or flight and that brake pedal. So, do so. Who's more honest with you, kids or, or adults? Um, kids about <laughs> adults. <laughs> yeah. Kids, I would say kids though, because they can't really hide it. If sure. the parent reports back that they're still having an issue. And I mean, honestly, if I, if I don't know what I would do without my scanning equipment because sure. with kids, they can't always tell you what's going on. Right. When I can do a scan, I can actually see what their nervous system is trying to say so that I can do a better job of helping them. There's a fine line I know that like you said you're not a therapist, you're a chiropractor, yeah. but there's there's a line where you ask an adult a question or something mm-hmm. like that and they give you an answer and you're like yeah. you're lying through your teeth. Yeah. Like I can see the things. And yeah. so like where's that where's that line to be able to like I wanna help you? Yeah. But you need to be honest with me and tell me these things to, right. for me to be able to give you the proper care so we don't this is this isn't lasting yeah. longer than it's necessary. Yes. And you just have to be honest. I mean, I'm always gonna give my gold standard of care. And sometimes people don't want to come the frequency that I'm requesting or pay. I mean, sometimes it's about money, you know, sometimes it's about a lot of different things and that can put them into a stress response too. Absolutely. But the bottom line is they have to want that help to get better. So really what it comes down to is there, I mean, when you see a mama who hasn't slept it for more than a couple of hours. I mean, you just do whatever you have to do for that baby so that mama can sleep. Sure. So yes, that's fair. That is more of what I see than <laughs> than than anything else is just the parents and they just They've done everything. Sometimes they've done everything. They've been to counselors. They've gotten the medications. They've done all the things. And there is nothing, there's nothing more to offer other than putting their child on an antidepressant. And a lot of parents just don't want that for their child because they know what that could lead to is being on a medication for a long time, especially if it hasn't been necessarily studied to to be okay for a child of that age or whatever it is. And I know that doctors are trying to do their very best for the for these kiddos, but sometimes it's just taking out instead of putting in. Well, I think that's where like there's it comes down to like if the, if, if a doctor is your first go. Yeah. And they put medication on your table, yeah. then you've not done your job. Right. Like you there's many other avenues you need to look yeah. at first to make sure that 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 there that there's a better way right. to do that beyond. Medication may be the key. It yes. may be. Great. Yes. If you need to, yep. 100% there are definitely take times it. Absolutely. when it is. Absolutely. But there's there's things, it's like surgery. You do everything you can before yes. it, before you have to go. Yes. That's the last line yes. all the way through. That's exactly why I'm so passionate about sharing this message because people don't know. They don't even, 
most people don't even know what a chiropractor does. Like they didn't <laughs> even know that this could be a possibility. So yeah, I'm so passionate about helping people understand their bodies better. So when it comes down to understanding who you are, mm-hmm. and I, I know that you and I see a lot of the same way, like mm-hmm. how important have this how important are friendships and being in like social situations yes, with that? That's what activates that brake pedal. That's really what it is. It's that social interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, when you feel safe around somebody, you can be relaxed. And so all of those uh, organal responses relax because you feel safe. Sure. Um, the trouble with being in fight or flight all the time is that sometimes you can't, like we said, recognize when you are safe. Right. But that's where like you to have that person, if you're if you're going to be at home yeah. all the time, yeah. you go to work, you go to the grocery store, you come home and that's all you have, yeah. then yeah, you're going to be stuck. Yes. You'll be in that more free zone yes. because you don't want to because right. you think that this is the, you think that this is your comfort zone yeah. without being able to really. But this is where you have to test the waters exactly elsewhere. Exactly. And so and my advice to somebody who doesn't feel safe in social situations is you got to start somewhere. There's there's one there. I mean, for me, um, I start my day at the gym at 5 a.m. And I love all the people that are there. And I mean, when somebody is still doing a workout and they're cheering people, you know, cheering people on and stuff like that, like, I could not have a bad day after that. Literally could (laughs) never have a bad day. Like. Other people just rooting for each other. I mean, getting into a club or a situation like that sets you up for success every time. And it doesn't matter what it is. No. It could be a gym. It could be yeah. a, it could be any kind of fitness thing. Yeah. It could be whatever is it like gardening. Yeah. G- crocheting. Yeah. It could whatever be anything. Whatever you're Yeah, thing. whatever just, you're into. You find your small group of people that you enjoy. Yeah. And that just that will bring joy yes. to every part of your soul. One hundred percent. All right. 100%. Yeah. That's what I got there, Julia. Yeah. Fantastic. Awesome. Thank you so much yes. for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. All right, gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. This is uh fun day with Dr. Julia Carlson. Make sure check into the show notes here. There's gonna be a lot of links to see what she has going on February first. Uh anything else there, Julia? No. Great. That's it. All right. See you guys.